Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Whether it's a client, customers, tenants, your partners, your lenders, if we can figure out how to be a significant source of value to others, life rewards us. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Ken Wimberly. How you doing, Ken? Dynamite. And you? I am doing dynamite as well. And you said that earlier, but when I first called you, I was like, no one's ever said dynamite. And I love that. So maybe I'll start incorporating dynamite more in my vocabulary. A little bit about Ken. He's the founder and visionary behind Legacy of Love LLC. He's an entrepreneur and real estate investor, has 16 streams of passive income and four streams of active income based in Cowtown. If you don't know Cowtown, well, that's Fort Worth, Texas. Go see Stockyards. It's a great tourist place as well as for locals in Fort Worth. So with that being said, Ken, you want to give the best of our listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Would love to. And thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I've got a background in finance out of college. So I studied finance real estate in college in the, goodness, it's going to date me here, back in the early 90s. Served in the Navy for a little while, got out kind of got into an entrepreneurial spirit. I was a restaurateur for a little while and eventually made my way into the real estate business in 2002. Got into real estate brokerage and really got into the land brokerage business. For anyone getting into the real estate brokerage business, especially the commercial real estate brokerage business, the lead time is long to start really producing. Took about a year to start making any money, but once I did, I had spent that year building a pipeline and things started to really kind of flow in. So from end of 2002 is when I got in the real estate business, started making money into 2003. Around 2006, I broke away from the small family-owned partnership that I had interned with and, and mentored with and learned the business, started my own company in 2006, and around that time started looking for my own real estate deals at that time. 
and got involved in a, in a couple commercial real estate deals around that time. Markets crashed basically July 2008. The commercial real estate market crashed and had to really reset and restart, figure out what I was going to do within the brokerage business because the land brokerage business died. Everything I had dried up at that point, but we stuck in the brokerage business, did a lot of REO work for some banks, and really just whatever I could do to help people at that point, help them, which helped me. Stuck with that and continued to grow my real estate business. I really started to scale it around late 2009, early 2010. Started and scaled a pretty significant brokerage operation. We became the number one producing real estate team in all of KW Commercial out of about 2,000 agents. So we scaled a nice business, which was beautiful because that threw off income. And we were able to use that income to make investments, both in our own deals and in some other folks' deals, and start to slowly build this passive wealth path that we're on today. It also, the income from those allowed us to venture into some other endeavors that have evolved their other businesses that are also creating income opportunities. One of those is a laundromat business that we've actually created. Beauty of the laundromat business is we have a built-in tenant for real estate opportunities. So our first laundromat called Laundry Love just opened three weeks ago. We bought a shopping center a year prior to that where our laundromat is now a tenant in the shopping center. We bought a 50,000 square foot center. We've now got a 6,200 square foot laundromat as a tenant in that center. And now we're looking to kind of repeat that process over and over and over again as we expand the laundromat operations. It's also the income from the real estate brokerage business that allowed us to get into, you mentioned it, or as a founder of Legacy of Love app. And that allowed me to kind of really focus on a passion project of giving back and being a parent and being a dad. And we created an app that is a kind of world's foremost parent-to-child journaling platform, so cross-platform journaling app that we've got a pretty rapid growth trajectory so far, and we're growing and scaling that business. So all of this came from the ultimate real estate, and now we continue to invest in real estate and focus on these two growing businesses as well. So much to talk about. <laughs> let's pick and choose. Yeah, well, let's talk about Legacy of Love app. We are going to spend a lot of time on the shopping center stuff, but just to quickly touch on Legacy of Love app, you said it's a parent to child journaling platform. When I hear that, I think it's a way to take notes that are then shared with my kid, but I'm sure it's a little bit more to it than that. Can you just elaborate a little bit more? Yeah, so think of this as a place to capture moments, memories, and lessons of life before they fade away with the passage of time. Things happen, the funny little stuff that your kids will say, and you want to capture that moment, and you'll think, oh, I'm going to remember that forever, and a month later you can't even remember what they said or even what was funny about it. So I guess the best way to describe it is a modern-day, easy-to-use digital scrapbook. It creates a chronological history of your child's life based on what you input in there. The system automatically calculates your age and your child's age of each entry so that later in life they can go back and read these entries with the context of where you were at the different stages of your life. You can put photos, videos, voice notes, save voicemails. I remember some of the sweetest little voicemails my now 15-year-old son left for me back when he was four and five years old. And of course now it's hard to get him to say five words. 
but back then he would leave the sweetest little voicemails. And, of course, with phone upgrades and whatnot, they eventually disappear. But we created a space where all of that can be captured and passed down to future generations. I love it. I have now downloaded it, and I am <laughs> registering it right now, and I have successfully created an account, it says, and I'm off and running. I'm going to be doing that. Such a great idea. Thank you. Oh, well, no, thank you for creating it. You're the one who created it. So I appreciate you and other entrepreneurs for creating stuff that can be useful and is useful and fills a need. So props to you for that. And I guarantee you I am your newest downloader because I literally just did. So let's talk about the shopping center stuff. Yeah. It was very quick to register. I did it while you were talking about it, by the way. (laughs) So the shopping center, the business model, it sounds like, is buy a shopping center and then have your own businesses or have some of your own businesses be the tenants to double dip on the income. Is that correct? That's correct. And I learned that strategy from a client of mine that we've done a fair amount of business with. This client owns the family video video chain. They're, they're one of the longest. Yeah, no doubt that that is a dying industry, and they've realized that for years, but now they're converting those locations into other tenants. But what that tenant allowed them to do was acquire a lot of real estate. They own somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 real estate assets that they have these old video storage locations in. I thought, that is a beautiful idea. And so when we came up with this idea for the laundromat, we thought this is our foray into having a great tenant to go into these B and C class shopping centers. So our objective is to go pick up some of these centers with a decent amount of vacancy at a significant discount that we can then go put our built-in tenant and then other tenants that would like to cohabitate with us because there's kind of a natural fit based on the demographics and income that we're looking for for our laundromat. Okay, makes sense. Your businesses that you bring into your shopping centers are they only laundromats? Yes. Our business that we have is just the laundromat. However, it's a different laundromat. It's not like you would drive by and see in so many places. We are a laundromat with a mission. Again, it's Laundry Love. L-U-V is our laundromat concept. And we're a large store format, so five to 7,000 square feet, brand new, beautiful, high-efficiency machines. You walk into our store. It's super clean, super well-lit, safe big screen TV showing positive programming up there. We don't allow daytime crap TV on there. We put positive programming in our TVs. Big areas in the laundromat to sit as families while your laundry is being done. So we're building these to be an impact in the community. But with a 6,000 square foot tenant, that allows us to put a very nice tenant in an otherwise vacant center right there. But that's the one business we have at this time. And frankly, it's enough to keep us busy. Okay. And how do you make a laundromat profitable? Because most laundromats I see are not what you described. And my guess is right. they're not what you described because it's tough to make a lot of money off of a bunch of quarters that are being inserted into it. So educate us on the business model of your laundromat. Yeah, it's interesting. When we started studying the industry and the profit margins that could be in the industry if done right, So first of all, we have no coins in our operations. We're all card-based system. All of our machines are card-based, so it's all cash going into a basically vault that issues a card out, like a Dave & Buster's type card. But how it becomes profitable, it's just a matter of garnering 
enough of the business that is in a particular location. So the site selection is one of the most important factors in opening up a laundromat. Number one, we need the right kind of demographics, and it's a lower income demographic that typically goes in and visits a laundromat, although with a wash, dry, fold, and pick up and delivery wash, dry, fold business, that opens up the opportunity for laundering higher income folks laundry. We have that very, very minorly factored into our pro forma numbers right there. But we expect, based on our investment that we've made into the asset, we expect a pushing a 30% cash on cash year one return. But you got to keep in mind, it's an operating business. This is not a passive real estate business, although the real estate component is, but this is an operating business. So we've got employees that are hired, managers that are hired. It's a full-on operating business here. Okay. And out of the different types of businesses that you could put into a shopping center, how did you initially arrive at doing a laundromat? By a fluke. I was not looking for a business to get into. What I was looking for was a tenant for a shopping center. I was actually had been asked to invest in a nearby shopping center, not the one that we purchased. And frankly, I was just looking for tenants that we could backfill the vacancy on that center. And I met a guy at a conference that was kind of hawking laundromat. And I said, hey, would you guys be interested in coming in as a tenant in this center, and I sent him the details on the center. He ran a, a side assessment on it. He said, man, Ken, this is like an ideal location for a laundromat. And again, I thought he was a tenant. I said, great, let's get you signed up, get you in there. And what I came to realize that he was not a tenant. He was actually a manufacturer's rep for a laundromat equipment company. So he started looking for an operator and couldn't find one in this particular town in Abilene, Texas, in West Texas. And he just didn't have any operators out there. So I went to one of my partners in real estate deals and said, hey, what would you think about us exploring this opportunity to become an operator of a laundromat? Because we were already looking for opportunities in that area as far as real estate investments. Let's look into it. So we went to a third friend of ours because this first guy and I are both big picture real estate guys. Neither of us have the bandwidth to be an active operator. So we went to another friend of ours that is a phenomenal operator, asked if he would be interested in exploring the opportunity. And that's how it started. So we went to a couple of seminars and listened to these laundromat companies talk about how to run one, how to set one up, the economics of what it looks like. And that's how it started. We started by going to seminars. We talked to other laundromat operators. We talked to people that had good experiences, bad experiences, people that were doing it right and wrong, and, and we started learning a lot. And really, we took about a year of studying the industry before we pulled the trigger and took about another year to, once we pulled the trigger, to get it up operational when the first one opened. So it's been a two-year endeavor, but now we have this beautiful model, a beautiful concept, a business plan, and a, a way to move forward and do these time and time and time again. And I believe I heard you correctly earlier. You said you opened it up three weeks ago, correct? Yep. Our first location, Abilene, Texas, opened three weeks ago. We had our official grand opening last Friday. So every day our customer base is growing, and the feedback has just been amazing. People have walked in there and said, I've never been in a laundromat like this in my life. Like, I will never go anywhere else. And mm -hmm. That is the response we're looking for, and it's more than just a laundromat. It's a place for us to impact community. We want people to come in there. It's a lower-income demographic. It maybe is not always treated that well, and we want people to come into 
our operation and feel like it's a home away from home and it's a place where they can gather as a family. We've built in a, a children's play area in our laundromat. We've got hundreds of books in there that children can read. We're bringing in local librarians and volunteers from local colleges to read to children at pre-designated times so that it is truly a community space where people want to come back time and time and time again. How many other spots do the shopping center have that need to be filled? We have one remaining vacancy, and then we have four other tenants. Our primary tenants, we've got a CSL Plasma, an Easy Pawn, and a Buddy's Home Furnishing in there, then us as the laundromat, and then we've got a 12,000-square-foot vacancy remaining. So we're looking for larger tenants that would fill it all, but we're also talking with a few smaller tenants that we'd subdivide the 12,000 square feet into a number of, of smaller tenants. And how much did you purchase the shopping center for? We got it for a song, actually. We bought this thing at just over $20 a square foot, and it's a 50,000 square foot center, so we were around 1.1. And how many tenants were there when you purchased it? Those primary tenants were already there. Oh, okay. Easy Pond. Yeah, they were. So we went in at over an eight cap. We went into it, buying it with the vacancy, and then we knew we were going to backfill some of the vacancies. So to give you perspective, We're cash flowing at a 12.5% cash on cash today, and the laundromat tenant is just now starting to pay. So this is one of those things that will be a really phenomenal investment. And we just went in, we did a basic rehab of the center as we were opening up the laundromat. So we went in and repainted the entire center. We resurfaced and striped the parking lot, just refreshed it, and it, it looks much brighter. We put wall pack LED lighting up so it's super bright at night and upgraded the sign. So we just done some little minor improvements, and we budgeted for that when we bought the center. So we had the reserve funds in there, budgeted for it, and we had the intent that we would do it when we opened the laundromat so it all looks new and fresh at the same time. Mm-hmm. What's something that if you had unlimited budget and you didn't quite care about profitability that you would do to enhance the shopping center? There's only so much you can do with a C-plus shopping center, and I think if I had an unlimited budget, I would probably update the facade even more. So if we repainted everything, it looked great. I would update the facade and put a really nice sign up front, just a couple of things like that. I can tell you just the parking lot improvements alone made a massive difference from mm. resurfacing and restriping the parking. That and a paint refresh looked incredible. About how much did it cost to resurface and restrike the parking lot? We were pretty close, around $15,000. How did you find the deal? I'm in that market in Abilene, Texas. I have a Keller Williams Realty franchise in Abilene, so I'm out there quite a bit. And this was a broker friend of mine that I know had this for sale. And I'd kind of seen it come across, and I called him to start inquiring about it because I thought it would be a good fit for our laundromat. And how many shopping centers have you purchased to date? In addition to this, we have some office buildings, some land holdings, I'm in shopping centers with some other people. This was the first one that I'd put together with just me and my other partner right here as a large size shopping center. What type of loan did you get on it, if any? We put that on it. In this case, traditional bank loan was a lender that we've done other business with. It's a five-year fixed interest rate on it, and then it bumps for another five. The reason why I ask that is what concerns did they bring up, if any, about you all creating a tenant from scratch doing a business model that you've never done before? The separate lender on that, that is a lender on our laundry deal, is a separate lender. And our primary lender 
had no concern, even though we didn't have direct experience in the laundromat. My other two partners and I have certainly a lot of experience in business. Our operating partner is a West Point grad and has run some very sizable companies. He's really dialed in, got his act together. So we had an incredibly detailed business plan that we put together as we launched this. So frankly, all the lenders that looked at that were very pleased with what we had come up with with a plan. You remember what year your buddy graduated from West Point? Or do you know? I don't know. It was 10, 12 years ago. Okay. One of my brothers graduated 96 or 97. That's what I was wondering. You said you have office buildings. What's the last office building you purchased? We bought an office building that houses our Keller Williams Market Center. It's a single tenant office building. It's leased to Keller Williams as a single tenant. Cool. So that is the building you purchased and then you are a tenant for that? That's right. That is a tenant in there. Then I've got some guys that have done a whole lot of different office buildings, but I'm passive in that. However, I would encourage your listeners, someone made a comment to me about five years ago, and it really was a light bulb moment. He said, Ken, I own a small interest in a lot of deals, and they all add up. Because prior to that, I was just looking at my own deals and putting my own deals together that I was either going to be the sponsor of or own them all outright. And that was a light bulb moment. And since that time, I've started investing into many other people's deals. I only have so much bandwidth that I can run on my own stuff. So some great deals I've done have been, frankly, from investing into other folks that I know have a good track record, that invest in things that I understand as well, and I trust them. And they've performed quite nicely. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Be a source of value for others, whether it's a client, customers, tenants, your partners, your lenders. If we can figure out how to be a significant source of value to others, life rewards us. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, And in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above, and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Are you serious about taking the first step in the gateway to financial freedom? Then join Jake and Gino on a four-week course that will teach you how to become a multifamily real estate investor. Go to jakeandgino.com. That's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O.com. Best ever book you've recently read? The Obstacle is the Way, Ryan Holiday. I'm going to give you my second and third, Building Your Story Brand, Donald Miller, and Profit First, Michael McCallowitz. I've read those all three recently, and they're dynamite. What deal have you lost the most amount of money on? I haven't lost money on deals yet. I've not made money, but I haven't lost money on any real estate deals here. What's the best ever deal you've done? One of my first deals that I did, a buddy and I put together a land assemblage. We acquired three parcels, about six and a half acres, took it through zoning, got the land entitled for a beautiful office complex that we were going to develop, dealt with the asbestos issue on the house that was there, raised the house, got everything planned and ready to develop. It was interesting because it was almost the worst deal I ever had because the day before we closed on our development loan to start our first two buildings, our equity investor walked. 
the financial markets were turning. He walked from the deal, and we didn't start construction on our first two buildings. Shortly thereafter, about two months later, the financial market started to collapse. And a couple months after that, I had someone approach me about buying my interest out. I had less than $10,000 of my own money invested in this. We had an equity partner that had put up the bulk of the money that we did in a lender on it. And I sold my interest in that for $150,000 based on the value that we created bringing to this project. So I think that was my best deal yet. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Giving up control of a deal. One of the first deals as I was starting, probably the first deal I tried to put together with the same partner and I that later did the one I just described to you where I sold my interest out for such a big return. We tried to put our first deal together and put a deal under contract. We went to someone that was going to be our equity partner in it. We ended up assigning the contract over to the equity partner. So we just didn't know better at the time. And I'll tell you what, we learned on that when the equity partner ended up not manifesting, not materializing, and we had assigned the deal over to him, and the deal ended up dying. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? Really, the two ways that I've kind of mentioned with our laundromat and what we're doing with the laundromat as a community service. I love what we're doing there. And then with Legacy of Love, just as a way to help parents to really create a true future, beautiful legacy to pass on to their children. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Go check us out at LaundryLove.com. That's LaundryLove.com or LegacyOfLove.app. That's LegacyOfLove.app. And Laundry Love, I'm sorry, Laundry Love. L-U-V is laundry love. There's a lot of love in my life. So laundrylove.com, legacyoflove.app. I learned a lot about what we're doing there. Well, Ken, thank you for being on the show talking about your business model, laundry love, your business model of buying shopping centers and putting in a business that you create, the app that you've created along those lines as well, and just overall your real estate experience as an entrepreneur. So thank you for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.